Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The Natural Hat Trick, hosted by Luke Lipinski and Craig Morgan. And Steve Peters. Welcome to episode 288 of the Natural Hatrick Podcast alongside Craig Morgan. Daddy Hattie. And Steve Peters. Morning. I'm Luke Lipinski. And and how do you follow that? Like, I'm, I'm so, like, what, what am I supposed to say? He shoots, he scores. Like, I gotta get a, I've still been saying it for six months now? Seven, I don't know. It seems like two years, but, but what, do I have to have that phrase, Luke? Like, you're the radio guy. Like, do I need the, he shoots, he scores. No, no, see, I think you're actually better following it off very low energy to make Craig look more ridiculous. I think that's the move. <laughs> that's a low bar to make Craig look ridiculous. By the <laughs> there way. it is. Wow, we are one minute in. You heard it, listeners. You heard it. This wow. is Petey's brand. This is Petey's brand. That's the verbal move of when somebody asks for a volunteer and, like, Everybody except one person steps back. That's what Petey does every time Craig <laughs> yeah. starts the show. Exactly. It's a great what I want from you, Petey. It's He's not even going to get this, Luke. I, I want enthusiasms from you. Enthusiasms. <laughs> <laughs> I want Craig to do the entire show in the voice of Robert De Niro. That's what I want. Just, just one episode like that. I've been asking for 287 and a half episodes. Um, Craig is especially chipper and excited today. Because he got to write a story about the Coyotes Arena situation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Craig, I'm just going to let you start the show. Tongue in cheek there. First of all, if you want, <laughs> as you're listening to the show, if you just want to save time, just read Craig's article because that's basically it, right, Craig? Like, that's you the show. Where can we find that, Steve? Literally, I don't know, is he coyotesinsiders.com? I think. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> with a question mark at the end i know i'm not sure heard of it <laughs> heard about it but that's it this is it. we're having like this is the show it's craig's article yeah it's like well, the movie version of the book all right everybody knows by now what happened glendale has booted the coyotes or at least they say they're booting the coyotes after this following season which means their operations have to be out of gila river arena as well by june 30th of 2022 that is when the fiscal year ends. Um, I think everybody knows the, the backdrop of this relationship over the past at least nine years, probably farther than that, when Jerry Moyes tried to put the team into bankruptcy. It's been a stormy relationship, to say the least. Um, and Glendale finally decided to say adios to a team that told them it was going to be saying adios for a very long time. Um, Glendale conducted a study. They say that their economic impact study says they only need 20 events of 10,000 or more fans to make up the economic impact that 43 Coyotes games provide them, the two preseason games plus 41 regular season games. And, of course, they don't talk about the playoffs because 
We don't talk about playoffs much here. Not in a very long time. Um, I have my doubts about that economic impact study. I have my doubts that Glendale can actually find 20 events because I actually did this story a few years ago and promoters told me it would be really difficult for Glendale to find those events. But let's open it up there with just the flashpoint for everything that we're going to talk about. Your thoughts. Well, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to go back to a morning in 2009 when I woke up to a headline, coyotes are bankrupt. Um, and they're leaving. And I remember that morning I was still employed by the team. And I honestly, it was panic. It's like, Oh my goodness. Now what? I had just, you know, you worry about your housing, your kid's school, like all of those things go through your mind. And through a very tumultuous few months, everything worked out. Everything was fine. The team stayed in the Valley, honestly had some of their most successful years, well being in the Valley under league ownership. So now this is 12 years later. I read the article and I honestly just said, HK, like, who cares? <laughs> honestly, like it was just, there's nothing. If you think as a fan, like this is anything other than this is not a big deal. Coyotes aren't going anywhere. They're not leaving the state. They more than likely aren't leaving Glendale. And I know it's not a ploy and it's not negotiating tactic. Just wait. Like I, 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 I don't bring in a salary right now. So I bet my whole salary that, that they're going to be playing in Glendale in 22, 23. So I, I see it as a non thing right now. And honestly, I think if there's fans don't need to panic, they're not. This ownership group will play at the ice den in Scottsdale in front of 300 people before this team leaves the valley. That's how important sports gaming and gambling has become to this ownership group. They are not leaving, period. They'll play street hockey at the parking lot down at ASU before they leave the state. Like, I, I so honestly, like we we can talk further about it. We can talk about where they might play. I'll tell you where they're not playing: Kansas City, Hamilton, Quebec. They're not. They're not playing there. They're playing in Arizona. But Houston, and, Houston. Oh yeah, I forgot Houston. I I forgot. We've been and I've been, it's, as much as fans have been through this exercise. I have been on the internet looking for houses in Portland, Seattle, Houston, and, and I'm not making that up. That is not a joke. I've literally looked at properties there over the last 20 years that we were always moving. So they're not moving. Again, I just I, I take a deep breath, fans. Everything's going to be okay. This is just another day in the life of being a Coyote fan. It's just another year. You're going to be here. Everything's going to be fine. Now, are you going to win? Eh. TBD, but for now you're staying put. Luke, I, I don't know how we follow that. I feel like we could just end the podcast. And good night. Yeah, that's about about a nine minute podcast. It's got to be our shortest of all time. Uh, no, look, I, I, I'm sort of with Petey to to a certain extent. Like the fact that Gary Bettman wants the team here, and you see the benefits of having a team here, and you see players. It's not just Austin Matthews. Now we're seeing more and more players that grew up playing hockey in Arizona going into the NHL and being pretty good. That's one of the reasons you want this market. This is a huge market. More and more people are moving here every second, as evidenced by the fact that it takes nine hours to get anywhere on the two hundred two at this point. Why would the league run away from this market? just because of a rift between Glendale and, and the Coyotes. That's been there forever. <laughs> it's been there since I think they moved to Glendale, it feels like. Um, I just, you know, I get why as a fan it's frustrating. And, and I would I would also reiterate, I mean, the ownership group, 
for a lot of reasons, wants to be here, and they have not wavered in that. And I know that fans get you know frustrated with this stuff because if you go on social media, you have to hear all these people that are experts that have never been to Phoenix being like, okay, let's move the team to Moose Jaw. They have more people there. It'll be great. And it's, I did find it interesting uh, yesterday, just flipped on NHL Network, and I was, and it was the one time I sort of indulged going through social media since this story broke for the, as PD said, like the 15th time. And I'm looking at all these tweets from people north of the border. They're like, oh, move it to Canada. Hockey doesn't belong in Arizona. As I'm watching the replay of Austin Matthews, his, his, his debut with the Maple Leafs where he had four goals. So it's, uh, was it four goals or five goals? I don't even remember at this point. There were so many. Um, it's just, it's, it's interesting how you can get caught up reading stuff from people that don't know what they're talking about. So my advice to you would be don't read stuff from people that don't know what they're talking about because those people to, to steal a line from Craig Morgan, those people's opinion on this doesn't matter. Yeah. Craig, I mean, you're, you're, you're a fan of Greg Wyshynski, I'm assuming. Oh, you know of him. How about that? Of Can course, I go say yeah. that? No, we talk all the time. Okay. okay. So I'm going to read an article that he wrote and I'm going to paraphrase and, and cut some things. It's, it's why the team is not relocating to Canada. And the story starts with our goal is to keep all of our franchises where they are. That's always been our goal, and that's what we try to do. And that's a Gary Bettman quote. And it goes on to talk about the mission statement falls on deaf ears in Canada, and Canada's better. And and ultimately, he says, this team is not going anywhere. By the way, let me reread the headline. Why the Atlanta Thrashers are not relocating to Canada, written December 2010, and they moved four months later. So you never know. Like, you just never know. Like, Gary Bettman said they're staying. The team said they're staying. Mm. Here's what I would say. You know, I think Tempe's the key here, right? If this Tempe thing comes through, there's no doubt in my mind that the Coyotes are staying in Arizona. To me, that's still a big if. I know the Coyotes feel confident in it. A lot of people feel confident. But there's a lot of bridges to cross before you make that Tempe deal happen. A lot of them. And I, I discussed some of them in my story today. But as long as Gary Bettman believes there is a path forward, an arena solution, arena solution here in the Valley, the Coyotes aren't going anywhere. The issue in Atlanta was they didn't have an ownership group that wanted to own the team in Atlanta. That's a big problem. You need somebody to own the team. So that's why they moved. They clearly do not want to do it. They understand the impact that it has on the league's credibility and the impact that it can have on a city and its fan base. They understand all of that. A lot of stuff happened a long time ago, but there there just hasn't been much movement in NHL teams in recent history. Um, again, to me, Tempe is the key. We'll see how that goes. The RFPs are due on September 2nd. I'll be really curious to see what the Coyotes looks like. I'll also be really curious to see if anybody else enters the fray. Craig, you've followed this story for a very long time on arenas. And, 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 and I'm just sitting back. This time I'm putting on my fan hat. The Tempe deal. We've talked about the Tempe deal. Can you give us an idea over the last decade? Like how many, how many places are, it's a done deal here. We're absolutely lost and starting with Los Arcos. Shovels are in the ground. We had a press conference from Los Arcos with shovels. So, I mean, I've heard it. Like there's been other sites. Absolutely. It's going to be here. Like I, can you reference any of those other that were absolutely going to be their places? Sure, the ASU one. You remember that? We got a rendering of the arena from the Coyotes at that point. Uh, you know, and there was that bizarre press conference where ASU didn't show up. It was, <laughs> there's just so much weirdness surrounding this. We've heard about the reservation for a long time, that how things were going 
going to happen there as well. Yeah, there, there have been so many times where I've heard that they are close to arena solution and it hasn't happened. Now, mind you, you can't pin any of those previous ventures on the, the current ownership group. They yeah, were not different owners now. Yeah. What's that? Well, I was going to say that it's different ownership now. I mean, yeah. they had nothing to do with any of that. That's exactly right. But, you know, there are still hurdles in this market. They say it's going to be privately funded. We'll see what that means when we actually get a hold of the bid. I, I still think they're going to be asking for some sort of public concessions. I'll be stunned if they're not. I still want to see if the council is on board with this. I still want to know how the council feels about all the stuff that's happened in Glendale. I want to know about how they feel about the coyotes not paying some of their bills, because that doesn't portend well if you're trying to do a business relationship with someone who wants to get in bed with you if they can't rely on you paying your bills. There are a lot of issues here that still need to be solved. Now, listen, some of that financial stuff is sort of the MO in the business world. I think a lot of businesses operate this way outside of pro sports. What the Coyotes need to learn is you can't do this in pro sports because there's fan interest and there's intense media scrutiny. Everything you does comes out eventually, and it does not paint good optics of your franchise when you operate this way. Did you get that, so, Luke? Yeah, I think if I was trying does, to write it all down. If he, it no, does. his quote. Can we, everything if he, he does? does yeah. yeah, if he does. Is that, a, is that correct? Is that what I said? You does? Who's the writer? Everything you does. Everything you does. That might be the name of the podcast. You had another typo in my copy that someone needs to correct. (laughs) You can't can't blame this one on Twitter, Craig. That was was all you. I mean, I could hit pause right now and we could re-record it, but we're not going to. Um, Yeah, look, I I care more what Gary Bettman says about how Gary Bettman feels than what at NordiqueFan0498732 one does on Twitter to his two Why followers. Why is it always numbers, by the way? Why do they always have numbers after their name? I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, so I, I, at the end of the day, I'm going to come back to that. I'm going to come back to what Bettman says. I'm going to come back to what ownership says, and we're going to see how this plays out. But I, I think the logical question here is let's operate under the assumption I, I don't want to just assume the Tempe deal happens, but for the purposes of this podcast, if it were, how did they bridge that gap in theory? And this is essentially what Craig's story is about. You're in Glendale for the upcoming season. As it stands right now, you're not in Glendale beyond that. Even if even if you were starting to build the arena in Tempe tomorrow, which you're not, that stuff takes time. Like you said, the bids aren't even officially in until the second, right? Yep. Of September. Um, you can't just magically build an arena in six months. Although I will say in Vegas, they seem to be able to build casinos in like a week and a half. So can we just get them down here? To build yeah. I mean, this site needs prep, right? It's, it's, it's a compost site. So there's, there's you got to do some prep before you can even start building there. So that's yeah. a process. Um, then there's, you know, all the associated construction, you know, delays, whatever, whatever that time frame is to build an arena. And then, in this market, you, you have potential roadblocks thrown up by others. It, it, is Robert Sarver going to get into the mix here? I, I don't know what's going to happen here. I've heard some rumors that he might. Can you imagine him getting into the mix and trying to muck up the works? Imagine how the Phoenix City Council will feel about that after they just okayed that $230 million re- renovation that was completed last season at his arena. But at the same time, he doesn't want competition. He knows this is competition as well. And it's, it's arguably a better location because it's close to ASU and Old Town Scottsdale. So he might enter the fray. Does the Goldwater Institute get involved once again uh. if there's public money associated with this? <laughs> I don't know. I can think of so many potential roadblocks because we've seen them all before. If, though, let's just say again, for the purposes of this podcast, it does work out. Where are they going to play? After this upcoming season, what are, what are some viable options there? 
Well, that's what I talked about today. And I, I really only think that there are three viable options. PD has already talked about one, them going back to Gila River Arena. I think if they do, it will cost them because Glendale basically has them over a barrel. You, you can basically squeeze some concessions out of them to have them come back for the next two, three years, you know, and, and help bridge the gap to the new, new arena. The thing that gives me pause with Glendale is Glendale City Council knows that if they help the Coyotes bridge the gap, the Coyotes are building a venue that will be in direct competition with Gila River Arena for those entertainment dollars. And let's face it, if you're talking about Footprint Center, even uh, Cricket Pavilion, and this new arena that they're going to build, the Coyotes are going to build in Tempe, all three of those locations are better venues, more attractive venues than Gila River Arena way out in Glendale. So they are going to suffer greatly if this arena gets built. That's what gives me pause about Glendale maybe saying, sure, come on, we'll help you bridge the gap so that you can create a competitor for us. That gives me pause. The other two that I mentioned, Veterans Memorial Coliseum, I think, you know, we this has been talked about for a while. They Anthony LeBlanc actually explored this as a possibility before when he was going through the same sort of stripe with Glendale. It would require a lot of work. They need an ice plant. They don't have luxury boxes. They got to put a lot of money in. They're going to lose a lot of money, but it would be... As I described in the story, I think a really cool, they could create a cool like Islanders vibe that they played there for a few seasons. It has a lot of history. It, it would be a pretty cool experiment for a couple of years. And then the other one you wonder about is, is Chase Field. They have a great relationship with the Diamondbacks. That would be a, a really bizarre setup, but the Tampa Bay Lightning did it for a while. Um, you could make it happen and it would be centrally located. I'm in on Veterans Memorial Coliseum if they can pull that off for, for a couple of years. I understand it's not like a long-term solution, but for two years or whatever, two or three years, I think, like you said, it would cost the Coyotes some money. Potentially, I would assume they have a plan that may extend beyond just hockey. Having the team here would make them that money back and a lot more in, in a short period of time. Like Alex Morello has the money he has for a reason. He knows how to to, to invest in some areas and make it back in, in a much bigger way down the line. I think just from a fan experience, that would be great. It's essentially downtown Phoenix. It's, you know, it's uptown, I guess. But uh, it, it just, again, because it would only be for a couple of years, you would kind of have that retro vibe with it. And knowing that they're building a, a new arena down the street in Tempe would obviously, you know, with that as the backdrop would make it pretty cool. Yeah, I think all of this is predicated on that piece. It, the, the, the new building has to be coming because as you're building a team and a franchise through rebuilding through the draft, you're rebuilding a building. It's it, it's prophetic. I mean, it's it's... The timing is right to get away with this. If the Coyotes were making a, a run for the cup next year, this would be a tough move um, to any of these facilities other than Glendale because of space and cost, which brings me back to Glendale. And I know we keep saying it's, you know, it's not a negotiating ploy, but you, you look at the housing market in Arizona. If you've got renters in your house right now and the house prices are going up and going up and you, your renter just says, you know, we don't like your house. We hate your house, but we're living in your house. Well, guess what? Get the hell out of my house then, or I'm doubling your rent. Then it might be okay. And I think ultimately that's where this is going to go because the coyotes are going to have to look at the costs to retrofit, you know, the, the madhouse on McDowell. And that cost is going to be exorbitant so i still believe it's going to end up in glendale and i I know glendale saying no and i know the team saying probably not i I just think that makes the most sense for everyone involved that they just stay there they are going to have to pay a premium to do so Mm -hmm. so that the city of glendale can look the other way and go gosh you know this is 
this is financially worth it for the next two years to make put some money in the coffers that we know we're going to lose down the road anyway. So if they go to the Madhouse and McDowell, they won't get that rent at all, even the next two years while they're building. So I still think the deal is going to happen in Glendale. And I may be way off. We can we can do the retrospective show a year from now and see that I was a complete idiot. But I think they're playing in Glendale. Craig, I need to at least ask you about the Chase Field one, because that's one that I really haven't heard much about other than just the name thrown out. I mean, to me, of those three, that seems like the longest shot, but maybe not impossible. Not impossible. They've got a great relationship with the Diamondbacks. I I do think they'll explore it at some point. Um, uh, As I said, you know, it's going to be a bizarre configuration. Um, Some of the optics won't be great because the place will always look mostly empty because it's so big. It won't be loud. But like, like I said in the story, hey, if they could open the uh, roof in uh, January or February, they could play their first outdoor game, and that would be kind of cool. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot. They they haven't even started exploring that. But I, I wouldn't close the door on that one because of the relationship between the two franchises. I think they may explore it at some point. To your point, Craig, they're not closing the door on anything because they do need to stay here, stay here financially for the, you know, the, the size of the market, the television contracts, all of the things Gary Bettman stated and the, the sports gaming. So I, I think they will explore all these. And you know what? This might even be piecemeal. The, like, like the Islanders played some in Brooklyn and, and some at the Coliseum. You may see something like that as well, where they're, they're moving around the valley for a season or two. Yeah, I, I, where where would you see them moving around if they did it at a, a couple sites? Well, I mean, you're, you're talking about the cost again. It's going to be if you're going to redo the the Coliseum. I guess you play at the Coliseum, but I was thinking playing between those two sites that you just mentioned. I think that could be you could get the intimacy at the one site, um, like you had at the Coliseum on Long Island, and then you get the the bigger broader corporate markets for your quote unquote bigger games um, at Chase Field. But well, again, like the cost it. will be exorbitant to do that. I like the idea of playing at Chase Field and then just randomly in like game 38 of the season being like, you know, we're just going to open the roof and have an outdoor game since the NHL won't give us one. And I would make sure you did it when you were playing Chicago so it was allowed because obviously the Blackhawks need to be involved in every outdoor game. But, yeah, just do it in like the second period or something. doesn't take that long to open that roof at Chase Field. Yeah. Do they still use the same music when they open it up? Yeah. Yeah. Is Is it you two still? Um, I don't know I can't who it is. Anymore. I just, okay. I was there the other day when, and when you open it, it sounds like you're like, you're about to shoot off into outer space or something. <laughs> but as you're talking, Craig, not, I'm, I'm sure not all of the listeners of the night ahead. I know you'd like to think so, but them, they may not all subscribe to your service. So you need to talk about some of the arenas. People are sitting there going, okay, well, what about, yeah, yeah, yeah. what about, I, I, I was going to get to that Tucson. But, what yeah. about, you know, yeah. Prescott Valley. Okay, so Prescott Valley and Tucson have the same problem. They're too far away from the fan base. No, think about this logistically. Your players, your staff all live in the Valley. So how do you manage that on a daily basis if you're playing games in Tucson or Prescott Valley? They don't want to commute to every game. That's, that's insane. And they're, they're not going to want to pay to, for everybody to live in that area for a year. Or you know, the, the players themselves aren't going to want to do that either. So the logistics of it are just absurd when you start thinking about it. Um, as far as the ASU venues, I've seen at least three media reports that say that Desert Financial Arena is a possibility. It's not. It's crazy. Make one call to ASU and you'll find out that's not the case. The hockey team actually explored it themselves. And if it were an option, they probably would have been doing the renovations and the hockey team would be playing there. 
but it's not an option. That's why they're building the current arena. So cross that one off the list. It's not happening. And as I said in the story, ASU's hockey arena is not happening either because it's 5,000 seats. They're not going to play there. They're not even going to practice there. That that uh, possibility has already been explored and it's not happening. So to me, the the opportunity to share a venue with ASU, that, that opportunity has come and gone. It's not happening at ASU. It's not happening in Tucson. It's not happening up north in Prescott Valley. None of those uh, venues are options. What would be cool to me, though, with Prescott Valley and Tucson in particular, and I want to hear how you guys think about this. Imagine if they did some sort of barnstorming tour where they played a couple games in Tucson, a couple games in Prescott Valley, just to sell the game in other parts of the state. It would be pretty cool if they did that. Granted, they would not have a lot of people in attendance because they're so small, but it'd be kind of cool. Luke, could you rewind the show and just say where they piecemealed around to different arenas? <laughs> I was didn't I just say that? I was just going to say, that sounds a lot like Petey's idea, and I like Saying. it. No, I, I agree. Around the valley. I, I, think that, I, I think that those arenas, you know what, the intimacy in those buildings for two years, great. But you, what are you going to do? Like, you know how to move an NHL venue game there, even preseason games have been played in both facilities, in Tucson and in Prescott Valley yeah. um, throughout the years, and the infrastructure to, to hold an NHL game, meaning the computers of the guys that keep the ice time and the statistics that are up wired up at Glendale arena, like to, it's not a moving show. You can get away with it for preseason, but a regular NHL season game, you're talking about camera locations, technical equipment, even the, the, you know, the, the TV trucks in the parking lot. There's so many logistical things that need to work. It just can't happen in those two facilities. It just can't. Okay. I, I do think, though, it would be cool. I mean, I hear sure. you saying, Petey, and certainly knowing some people that, that are in charge of where the cameras have to be and wiring all that stuff up, I, I understand. I mean, I can hear them right now ripping their hair out that we're even talking about that as a possibility, but it would be really cool if it's like, Absolutely. hey, we're playing 41 games. We're going to play them at the Madhouse, on McDowell, but, you know, four of them we're going to play in Prescott Valley and four of them we're going to play in Tucson, Tucson throughout the yeah. year just to kind of – you know, this is the time to do it. If you could do it, this would be the time as you're kind of bouncing around waiting for your new arena to open up. But uh, don't discount anything. I, I honestly, just don't. Like, whatever they need to do to stay in Arizona, they will explore. One other thing, one other arena to cross off the list is the one where they, they played when they arrived in Arizona, the Footprint Center, which was America West Arena at the time. I know a lot of people wonder if they could go back there in the short term. And, you know, if, if circumstances were different, they might be able to. I don't think they have the the necessary ice infrastructure anymore at that arena to make it happen. They still have Disney on ice there, I know, but it's it's a different situation. But far more importantly, I don't think Robert Sarver wants them down there. They've made overtures to return there many times in the past, and they have all been rebuffed. And again, just like Glendale, I wonder – why would Robert Sarver help them bridge the gap to a competitive venue that will be very close to his? I, I, I don't see it happening. And, and a lot of people have said this locally that have ties to the Suns that this is not going to happen. They're not going to end up at Footprint Center. Uh, do you want to get through some of these listener questions? Sure. Most of them appear to be about the arena. Shocking. Believe it or not. Uh, here, though, this, them all. This, well, this is a hockey question from Mike. Owen Power returning to U of M, right or wrong choice? Petey? Yeah, you were ready for a hockey question. Absolutely the right choice. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Like, First of all, we've seen it again and again for players coming out of the draft trying to play that next year. You need to be extremely elite 
to make that jump. He's a defenseman, which is you need a higher hockey IQ. You need to be more physically engaged. There's a few things that are going to happen at Michigan next year. They have three first-round draft picks on that team. Um, they are going to be a powerhouse in the NCAA. They're going to win a lot of hockey games. And the other thing that, that happens in the NCAA that, that people may not realize is the amount of practice time these kids get. You play in major junior, playing 80 games, similar to the NHL schedule. You're traveling. It's much more like the NHL. In the NCAA, you practiced you practice Monday through Thursday. You play Friday, Saturday. The amount of practice time that you can work on your game, develop your skills. They have a, you know, they usually have facilities for weightlifting and training and nutrition. They have more staff and more infrastructure through their program that they can develop that player better sometimes than they can a junior. And I, I don't, not discounting junior people. So don't call me and complain about that. The junior path is, is a path where you play more games and you get more game-like situations for a lot of people. That's a better path. The NCAA prepares you to be a better practice player and work on and develop your game for him to play there in that winning environment versus going to Buffalo next year and cutting his teeth on a team. That's going to struggle. They're going to lose. I just don't see how that benefits him as a player in the long-term development of own power. The other thing that I'd point out about the NCAA path is that it does not restrict you in terms of coming to the NHL like the junior path does. We, we've talked about the CHL-NHL agreement for many years on this show and how absurd it is. It clearly is about money, and it clearly only serves the CHL. It does not serve the players. You don't have to worry about the NCAA. You can go play one year, and then you can jump to the NHL if you think you're ready. You don't have to wait. You don't have the AHL restrictions either, so... Yeah, it seems like sort of a, a no-brainer given everything, especially what Petey said. Do you really want to go for that? Go play on that NHL team right now. It's There's nothing you can do to help them. There's nothing Jack Eichel could do to help them. I don't think there's anything Connor McDavid could do to help them right now. Uh, Cole writes in, your response to Canadians and Austin Matthews fans saying hockey doesn't belong in the desert. Here, I can start. I don't care what they think. They don't know what they're talking about. I care what they think about some a lot of things, but not about whether or not hockey belongs in the desert. I just don't. You don't know. You don't know that it takes a a fan from the East Valley upwards of two hours to get there for a game on a Tuesday night from Gilbert or whatever, or even Chandler out to a game in Glendale with traffic. And you don't. There's no. It's so tough to get walk up traffic from any of your fans that would like. Hey, I might be interested in hockey. It's not walk up traffic if you have to drive an hour and a half through traffic. Like you just don't know the ins and outs, and that's fine. I don't know all the ins and outs of what's going on in Ottawa but I also don't jump online every time they have an issue and be like, they should relocate to Bradenton, Florida. <laughs> I love that take right there. That That's the heart of it right there. And it is pandemic on social media. People opine on things about which they know too little. They have too little information and yet they think their opinion carries weight. You're right, Luke. I don't care what they think either because they don't know enough. I want to, I want to go back to one of the many Jim Mora clips that I love so much. You think, you know, but you don't know, and you never will. And I don't know, is it a, is it a Southern market thing? Like you look at Dallas, LA cup, cup, Anaheim cup, Carolina cup, Tampa, multiple cups. Like it's got nothing to do with where you're located, it's it's what kind of a franchise you put together on the ice and where your building is located to play those games in. That's what it comes down to. Like it's you could put a team literally anywhere if you made it accessible to the fans and you put a good product on the ice, people are gonna go to the games. Like I, I yeah, I'm I'm so tired of that too. And then 
looking on the inside out, yeah, you know what? Go look at some of these teams that have played here in the desert. You know, when they're back at America West Arena and they were one of the top teams in the West, people went to the games. 2012, people went to the games. You win, they go. So I, I think that's part of the key. I don't care if it's in the desert, if it's in Florida or Texas or New Mexico. If you have a good product in an easy, accessible arena, people are going to go to the games. You know, okay, I got to you- end this one with this. I, I, I even hear this. And we talk about the people who absolutely don't know what uh, they don't have a clue what what the situation is here or understanding any of the nuance of it. But I've actually you know, every time this stuff starts to happen, I hear from writers, I hear from people in media and I can't tell you how many I'm hearing Houston's I've received. And, and my response to every <laughs> one of them has been the same. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this, Greg, though, to the Houston point. Not this team moving there, but great place to put a hockey team. Like you have the built-in rivalries. You've got that you balance the central and the Pacific again. There's a lot of pros to putting a team there on the size of the market. All of those things are true. It just isn't going to be this team. No. Well, and that's the other thing is people never take the next step and, and think about what that move actually requires. What, what would it take to get to Houston? Oh, well, they've got an owner who really wants the team and has lots of money. Does he? Have you vetted him? You don't know if he has the money. In fact, he has been vetted and it has been determined that he does not have the money to bring an NHL club there. So if you're talking about a different ownership group moving in, then you become a tenant in an arena, right? And that that's an untenable situation in most NHL markets. It works in the really big markets where you have enough sponsorship possibilities and fan support. It doesn't work in, in non-traditional markets as well. So that becomes problematic. And then again, does the NHL even want to move? Would they, if, if they did Houston, would they want to reserve it for an expansion franchise? Because you can make a billion dollars off that sort of thing. Just think about the logistics of it before you just spout that nonsense. Yeah, but again, Craig, would you rather have a billion dollars or would you rather appease at Nordique fan 04768923? I mean, you got to weigh these things out. It's a fair question. All right. Let's get some more of these. Um, let's see. Todd in Phoenix says, I'm enjoying reading all of these questions and guessing which stage of grief each fan is over the arena situation. Which stage are you in? Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, or acceptance? <laughs> I don't know if I'm in any of those, actually. Kind of numbness. Yeah, I guess, numbness. Just, I guess denial puts it the closest. Like you're denied again. Like it's, these are non things. I, I don't know. I don't know. There's, well, hopefully a year from now we're laughing at this, going, "Oh, the new building's coming up," and here we start 22 season in Glendale. But we'll see. Uh, here's Booper. Booper wants to know how everyone's off season is going. Has Luke finally had some time to relax? No, Booper. But my time to relax actually does start today. Uh, yeah, we'll just say with your tweet, but this is actually when it starts. How's, how's your guys' off-season going? Sure, your off-season's starting today, Luke. I don't I think Greg has an off-season. I don't believe that any more than I Neither. believe the rest of the Kaidi's off-season will be quiet. Exactly. No, I, have this, I have this week off. I actually have the upcoming week off. This for is, now. For yeah. Now. <laughs> sure, I shouldn't have put that out there. Now I'm going to have yeah. to work all day. Yeah, you two are busier than the off-season <laughs> that you are. like, Well, as busy and not more, but you're okay. as busy during the off-season, aren't you? There like, is Luke? no Coyotes off-season. Exactly. Yeah. No question. No question. All right. Let's try um, Let's try Todd. It looks like the arena questions are covered. This is a different Todd. Of the current crop of prospects, Hayton, Soderstrom, Unique, or someone else, which is most likely to start the season with the Coyotes? If I had to pick, I'd go with Victor Soderstrom. I don't know what you guys think. I hope it's none. Yeah, me too. 
I mean, I just, I don't think for the reasons we talked about power in Buffalo, I think it's the same plan here. I just, I hope all of these prospects can go work together, grow together, win together, learn together down in Tucson. I just don't see the benefits of a, of a Soderstrom, even a Barrett Hayton, you know, Barrett Hayton probably is the most likely to play here, but even with him, I'd like to see everybody, you know, grow together and win. And I think, you know, I think it's, it, it could be an opportunity down there to have a pretty good hockey team. Um, I think their goaltending is going to be solid. I think they're going to be able to score. Let's, let's really rebuild and let's build, you know, a minor league team that can win. I mean, Tampa did that. They won at the minor league level. They played together at the American League. They won before all of them graduated onto the National League. So I hope that's the path that these players take here. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you guys. If the question was who's the most NHL ready, I would lean Soderstrom. But that's especially tough to throw a defenseman in on a team with so many new pieces that might be, you know, it, hanging them out to dry for the first month or two of the season. And, and even for a guy like Chikrin, I, I imagine there's going to be some challenges to start the year, and he's obviously a lot more established. But if you're just saying who's the most NHL ready, based on what I've seen of those guys, it's Victor Soderstrom. Uh, Ethan, kind of curious as a random question. PD is approaching one year away from working as video coach the Coyotes. Are you doing any specific work or have plans for future work either within or with out, outside of the NHL? Always love your insights to the team, Steve. Wow. Well, Always love your insights to the team. Yeah. How, how about that? Mm, <laughs> My son wrote that. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. You know, it, it's, it's been an interesting year. It's been a really interesting year and in how it's ebbed and flowed and some of the things I've been able to, to partake in. And I'll be honest this, like the Natty Hattie and, and I've been able to do some writing on Craig's, website um i've enjoyed the time i've spent over last year i've consulted with a few things um i've looked into some youth hockey things and you know what the nhl opportunities they're few and far between i'll be honest and and i looked at some things that just didn't work out um i've got some things coming up here in the next couple weeks that i think could be exciting keeps me close to the game of hockey just not quite ready to talk about so keep your eye on on craig morgan's twitter because clearly i don't have one yet (laughs) um but i I i've got some i I think i've got some good news coming really soon well apparently you do you have one that's uh that's ethan i would assume that's your partner it is it's my not a bad idea right oh it's genius actually steve i'm your biggest fan yeah I feel like if you had a burner account, you wouldn't be talking yourself up. You'd just be heckling Craig every time. I you post something. 100% the truth. Uh, Nam Danan writes in, we haven't heard much from or about Louis Erickson. Is he expected to come to camp and try to make the team? With his bonus paid, I thought he might just go back to Sweden. Yeah, he's expected to, to join the team. He's expected to at least compete for some ice time. He's, you know, he's, I wouldn't say he's in the same situa- situation as Andrew Ladd, who's really going to have to work to, you know, maybe be that extra guy, but. He has something to prove, and so, but I, he is expected to uh, join the team. I, I don't know if you had anything further to add to that, Ethan. <laughs> we should um, just start calling PD Ethan. Yeah, I think you're going to see the same thing from a lot of these players that haven't had much ice time or playing time. You know, Lad is the same boat. They're, they're expecting to come in and try to play. You know, it's not a situation where you've seen the Coyotes buy contracts and players don't even come to the Valley, you know, Pronger and Hosa and Datsuk. That's not the situation with Lad and Erickson. Both of those players are coming here with the intent to play. Uh, Omniscient Yotes fan writes in, if you had one final say, would you build the arena in Old Town, Downtown, or Tempe? 
This is a... Uh, that's a good question. It is. And I just remind everybody that Los Arcos is right between Old Town and Tempe. So it would have been perfect in 2003 or whenever that was. I almost... If they can pull this off where they're talking about in Tempe, which is northwest Tempe, basically. So so Tempe, but closer to downtown. Yeah, really butting the edge of Phoenix, really, right? Yeah. I almost... It, I almost think that's the best place because as much as I love downtown, you already have the Suns and D-backs there. Um, and maybe that doesn't ultimately matter. I mean, we're, we're splitting hairs here. I would take it in any of those places. But I think that location in Tempe is really central to where mm-hmm. – I'm just just go by where all the rinks are where people play. They play in Chandler. They play in Gilbert. They play in Tempe. They play in Scottsdale. There's also a, a rink, a couple sheets of ice out in Peoria. I get that. It's not like there's no hockey fans out on the west side but the vast majority are on the East Valley. And that's that Tempe location would be almost perfect. Yeah, it is slightly more centrally located than Los Arcos and the, the freeway situation. I know Los Arcos would be right off the 101, but that's that's a pretty good location for access from pretty much all points of the Valley. Yeah, I'm Tempe. Check. Yeah. Uh, Gilbert Anthony writes in. Every time Gilbert Anthony writes in and it's not about Jamie, it just makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside because he still listens even though Jamie's not here. His question is, arena questions aside, that also makes me happy. Would you guys rather have the number one pick in 2022 or 2023? I'll go 23. Me too, actually. But I mean, people think Bedard is one of those. I mean, Shane Wright's supposed to be a a great player, but Bedard is supposed to be something something else. He's in a different stratosphere. Yeah, I'd rather pick like second or third in 2022 and then get that number one pick in 2023. Yeah, I think it, for a Coyotes fan, if you can draft in the top two of either of these drafts, the, the, these are very good drafts. The Connor Bedard pick in 2023 is a generational player. And again, that's what people are saying now. He's still just a kid, so who knows? Right. But you're talking about Shane Wright. Even Brad Lambert right now is the highest-rated finished player in in a decade. So with with by the way roots with american you know north american hockey's lane lambert's nephew um and i think i, I read the other day that that matt vay mikoff right-handed winger or excuse me left-handed winger out of, out of russia is the best prospect since ovechkin there are some very very good hockey players coming up these next two years um if if the coyotes can grab one of the top two picks in the next two years i i think it, it's a great sign of things to come I'll tell you what Coyotes fans are owed. The number one pick in 2022 and the number one pick in 2023 and probably an all-star game in their new arena whenever they get it. That's what Coyotes all-star fans are game. owed. Yes, they, they owe them that from like 15 years ago. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Andrew wrote in any news to report on the arena front. I think we covered that one. <laughs> um, Taylor writes in, outside of the big names, who are some prospects further down the list that we should keep our eyes on this year? Coyotes prospects. I mean, Craig, that's all I, you. what are we talking about? Keep an eye on, I mean, keep an eye on them in Tucson or in the junior leagues. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I would mean, say just outside of those three that we always talk about unique Soderstrom and, and Hayden and probably outside of Gunther too. Cause he yeah. would obviously, I mean, like Matthias, Matthias Michelli is supposed to come over this year. So he'll be an interesting player to watch. And again, Petey mentioned this earlier that Tucson's goaltending is going to be strong. I'm, I'm really curious to see what Ivan Prozvatov can do this season. They should be a, a better team down there and, and I'm, that's a guy that I'm really keeping an eye on, especially now that they've they pretty much wiped out the rest of their goaltending in the franchise with with Kemper and Ranta gone. So and, and Aiden Hill gone. So he's a guy to watch. Uh, definitely, Steve Peters burner writes in. 
for everyone. Why is it always us? Why must we be the ones to endure hell time and time again? And that one has a few likes. I, don't so, I spent all night writing that. I you know, don't know what? Why this is our lot in life? Go ahead. It is, but it's but it's also you could say that about the Ottawa Senators could say the same thing. I mean, you know, the, at times the Winnipeg Jets could say the same thing. It's it's it is unfortunate here, and and hopefully at some point, I hope that all of this pain and frustration and difficulties are all worth it. And you know, you can finally say maybe the lights at the end of the tunnel, a new arena, a rebuilding franchise, high draft picks, just maybe it's finally coming. PD, how do you feel about people finally dedicating Twitter accounts to you? I know. How great is that? It's easier for me than I don't actually have to do it. It's a badge of honor. This is when you know you've made it, PD. When when they when they take care of your work for you. That's that's it. Uh, Mike writes in, is there a therapist you can recommend for Coyotes fans? So it's about the same as, uh, as the last question. Look, I'll just piggyback on what you guys just said. When this team gets good, and if there's a new arena here in the Valley and all that stuff plays out, it's going to make it that much more sweeter. Like, a lot of a lot of fan bases like to sort of galvanize around the us against the world when you start to make a playoff run. I think Coyotes fans more so than ninety five percent of the fan bases in the four major sports here in the U.S. and, and Canada can can say that because in a lot of a lot of ways it has been Coyotes fans against the world of hockey at least. So when this team gets good, it's going to be that much sweeter. I can't recommend a therapist for you though, Mike. I'm sorry. Well, uh, speaking of therapists. Uh... Pandemic permitting, I, I will be paying another visit to Mrs. Rita this year. Oh, nice. Okay. Uh, Eldon, with the hockey offseason, can we get a fantasy football segment on the podcast? Maybe Craig can write an article about his top 100 fantasy football draft targets. I already responded to that one. Oh, that's, oh it looks it's not very nice. Yeah. Um, Thomas writes in, you ever think we'd see a dual position athlete in hockey like Shohei Otani, someone to play Possibly play goalie and forward defenseman. Wow, that's intense. <laughs> that would be one heck of a gifted athlete. It'd be cool to see, wouldn't it? It would. Like, what what goalie could could play as a skater? I guess Mike Smith would love to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hope it happens. Can you imagine with the national attention that's going to draw? I, I don't know how it will ever happen, but who would have guessed a pitcher can also hit home runs? So maybe. Uh, a lot of home runs, too. I think he's at 40 now, at least. Uh, Ogie Oglethorpe writes in straight from Slapshot, apparently. It's um, some of the stuff we've already answered, but he does ask, could they also have some massive massive crowd games at State Farm to help cut some of the losses? Anyway, State Farm Stadium. Getting I wish everybody could see Craig's face right now. Like hey, punched. I don't see that happening. Uh, again, it just it's it's a lot of work to get it set up. Yeah. Uh, Desert Doggies, the year is 2024. Tempe's home to the Coyotes' new arena. The team brings back the Pacina jerseys full-time. Austin Matthews signs with his hometown team. The question is, Michael Grabner still blowing the doors off of NHL defense? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Um, that's most of them, guys. Everything else is... Uh, Arena-related? Yeah, Jay Will asked about the sharing with the Suns or ASU. We've touched on that. Um yeah, most of these are, are all re- arena related at this point. I think we've answered all the all of them actually. All right, look all right. at that. That was that still wasn't a fast podcast. podcast. Yeah, but it was it was faster than usual. All right, guys, this was fun. This kicked off my week of relaxation. Enjoy it, Lou. It's like well, the summer lasts. of the summer of George from Seinfeld that year, where Costanza was just going to take the summer off and do nothing. This is the yeah. week of of Luke right here coming up. Right. I'll check in with you tomorrow. All right, please do. All right, it's going to do it for us. For Craig Morgan, for Steve Peters, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hattrick Podcast.